1: Hello, everybody. How you doing? This is Colin Cook
0: with Elliot Kawaoka.
1: And this is Age Group for Life, episode 11. Uh, so today we are going to talk about cadence. Uh, we're going to talk about it, uh, seeing how long it goes, but through the swim, bike, and run, actually, and how important it is for all three disciplines here. Uh, how's that sound to you, Elliot?
0: Good. Actually, I want to hear about your race, too. You just had a race and did really well
1: okay cool yes uh so we are gonna start this one off we'll we'll talk about my race so i just did Maine 70.3 uh last weekend uh up in old orchard beach Maine. um did have a good day i was happy about it so um yeah we'll jump into it um so you know first off really really like that venue um very you know family friendly my family and i went it up friday actually so we spent a couple nights up there and uh had a place right on the beach and uh, tons of hotels and things all around there and stuff for the kids to do. Um, actually ended up on a uh, ride uh, that we thought was much more kid-friendly, that my wife almost had a heart attack with my four-year-old and two-year-old, <laughs> um, so that was entertaining on Friday, but uh, <laughs> it really is a great venue, good fast course as well, but um, um, let me get my splits. What I do? I ended up doing uh, 416. And ended up getting uh, third place overall, which was, uh, I was I was very happy about. Obviously, no, no pro field there. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, it's an ocean swim. They actually almost canceled. They were threatening of canceling the swim or uh, shortening it because it was too cold, which was mind-boggling to me. And it was a wetsuit-required race, but we ended up doing the full swim and um, so how cold was it
0: what was the temperature it was, it was
1: 60 degrees
0: oh my um, gosh we've been in a lot yeah. worse I think St. George the one year you did it was it was in the 50s it had to have been
1: yeah um I, I was you know I heard rumor you know it went off without a hitch so I guess that's the good thing but yeah I mean I don't know if, if the water's too cold for you don't race you know it's kind of my thought there you know they let people wear you know I I just wore swim cap and but you could wear you know the neoprene caps and booties if you wanted to um so i'm not quite sure why they uh they were so big on that but anyways swim did go off um it was actually a time trial start which does come in kind of key into uh the results here um but i went into the water i'd say probably within the top 15 people or first people 15 people into the water so colin
0: how do Um, you how do you like that time trial start Compared to well, compared to age groups, uh, wave starts.
1: Overall, I think it's good. Um, so you know, from a overall race perspective or result perspective, you know, it was good to be out front, and I did feel like you know for the most part I was racing the people that were around me, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know other races when you're starting you know forty five minutes an hour after the race starts or like's gonna what's gonna happen at seventy point three worlds this next weekend here. Um, you know, I, I, really don't like that. And especially when the age groups get broken up. Um, but man, I wish we'd just go back to a mass start. Yeah, I really, really do. Um, I mean, do you, you
0: what, know. what is their reasoning behind not doing a mass start in 70.3 and the, and they're even getting away from that in Ironman? I mean, I think the only mass start now is Hawaii still,
1: which is now broken into male and female. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think it's, it's just a safety thing. They feel like people get, you know, kind of uh, mixed up in the traffic and there obviously is a lot of contact and things like that when you have a mass start with everybody starting at once um so you can't really fault them for wanting to make sure people stay safe but uh i think it's just yeah you know people getting aroused and you know discombobulated in the in the beginning of the swim because of contact and um for safety they feel like you know if they break it up it's going to be better yeah uh so i mean yeah. the disadvantages
0: think- of it is that you kinda I mean if it comes down to seconds, you really don't know where you are in the race, but then again you're kinda grouped in the same the same type swimmers as you if you seed yourself correctly. So I mean you should be able to swim with a with a group similar to
1: your pace. So I,
0: I I like I like it because of that. That reason. So right. So I think I do like
1: it better than an age group start. Um, I think that that way, yes, you're going to get out in front with the, you know, the faster people or you know, you're going to be with similar people regardless. Um, but you know, going into my story here, so I was actually uh, crossed the line second, and the guy that crossed the line third actually ended up beating me by, actually, um, by over two minutes. Um, and it was actually uh, Greg uh, Dirksen, who's uh, a teammate of mine on Team Zoot, um, and he's a D1 swimmer. Um, and I'm think he must have started like five or six minutes after I did, um, <laughs> so I haven't given him any heat about that yet. But uh, I do want to ask him. What, I'm curious why he didn't start uh, up a lot sooner. But yeah, I mean he swam twenty four forty seven, so um, he certainly should have been up at the front. And um, the overall winner, he he did swim twenty five twenty three. It's a UK guy, David Bartlett. Um, so you know I think he started up early, but. Um, yeah, um, things like that are a little bit uh, can, can throw you off a little bit and, and definitely proves you got to go all the way to the line regardless of, uh, of when you start or whatnot or where, where people are around you.. Yeah. Um, so I ended up having what I will call a disappointing swim. I ended up uh, swimming 3125, which is um, one of my slower wetsuit legal swims. Um, it was an ocean swim, so there was a few ways, but it was relatively calm for an ocean. Uh, Not quite sure what happened there. I mean, my swim volume definitely hasn't been where I would like it to be um, as of late, so I guess I could credit it to that, but uh, still was expecting to be, you know, at least sub-31, but um, bottom line really didn't faze me or whatnot. You know, it it is what it is, and uh, um, it is a really long run from from T1 um, to t or excuse me, from the swim to T1, so I did pass a bunch of people um, even during T1, and uh got out on the bike in in good position and uh felt really strong all day on the bike um what i end up averaging like two,
0: uh, yeah you're 218 two na- so 24.2 miles per hour that's uh, fast than that my man Come really
1: on. uh it's, yeah it's like 24.25 yeah 24.25 uh, yeah 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 uh, my my so my normal or excuse me, my uh, average K, average power was 286 a, no, normalized was 292, um, so that was good and and right about you know I was kind of shooting actually for like 285, so arguably went a little bit harder but um, the conditions were just absolutely amazing it was like low or mid 50s probably to low 60s for most of the race but especially on the bike and early on the bike um, so. It's a it's definitely it's a rolling course, Um, you know, nothing crazy, not any really a couple little puncher short climber Hills, but uh, it's definitely a fast course and they actually repaved part of the the second half of it uh, uh, Within the last two weeks or so so it was uh, it was definitely fast Um, so so yeah, I ended up uh, I think I was um, or I was fourth coming in off the bike, um, but I was down Um, there was a guy, uh, Zev, um, what's, uh, Zev Mierowitz, um, he's like a, he's about to become a Cat 1 cyclist, so he, he biked 211, um, so he, he was first off the bike big time, and, um, he's, he's known, I guess, to, to be a super strong biker, and then not so great on the run, so, um, so I came off in fourth, and, uh, it's an out and back run, so, you know, I was pushing pretty good, or, you know, comfortable, definitely comfortable all day. Um, I really didn't start to bring the, the pain until the second half of the run, um, but I was, you know, right around 6:15 um, starting out on the run, and felt, you know, again quite comfortable with that. But uh, it's mostly a trail run, um, so you're on dirt. Um, it's it's kind of hard dirt, so it's it's slower, but not necessarily slow per se. So, um, but you know, I was getting out towards the turnaround. And it wasn't until, you know, I was probably three minutes from the turnaround that I saw david um you know the leader there and then i saw greg and and zev you know a little bit out in front of me or actually still a decent amount in front of me and uh you know there's all these passings on the rail trail so it was like one guy that told me i was you know two minutes down from second and third um with i think only like three miles to go so it was kind of yeah you know i don't i don't know if i'm gonna i'm gonna make this happen i guess actually maybe i was at miles seven or eight at that point so a little bit more time to go but um wasn't sure i'd be able to catch those guys but uh wasn't until I got till like mile 11 that I saw them and uh, that definitely motivated me and I dropped down I think I had just about six minute miles for the last couple miles um, but I was able to pass both Zev and Greg um, in between I think it was in between mile 11 and 12 um, which was pretty cool and so obviously I was thinking that I got second place and uh, finished strong Ended up running a 1:21:42, which was Better than I expected to do, to be honest with you. But uh, with the good conditions there, it definitely uh, was a good day for it. Yeah, that's um, amazing. So that's an
0: amazing second. run you had.
1: Yeah, say it, it. It gives me hope that there is actually a possibility I could rub, run sub twenty, sub one twenty in my lifetime here. We'll oh, see. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, and
0: yeah. you put. Looks like you put eleven minutes on that on the on that Zev guy. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you, yeah, so, you beat so him by a couple
0: minutes. So yeah, that's a really close race.
1: Yeah. Um, right. And then, but Greg, uh, you know, Greg still ran a, uh, just under 126. Um, but that swim definitely is where he beat me for sure. So yeah. someday I'll learn how to swim. I hope, <laughs> 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 but no, I couldn't, couldn't be happier with the results. And, uh, you know, so I won my age group and was third overall. So, uh, very, very happy about that. And, uh, we had a lot of fun and uh, Triathlon club Northeast multisport won the uh, division four so uh, nice. life was good yep so um, very good. So so, uh, yeah. so
0: you're still not planning to go pro anytime soon? All uh,
1: right well we'll have to discontinue the podcast and uh, <laughs> absolutely not. No, no way I'm going pro. proper <laughs> for life. <laughs> good, just testing so. you out there. All right. All right. Good deal. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, that is the last triathlon of me for for me this year. I think I'm going to do some cycle cross races here, hopefully, before baby number four gets here. But um, um, took it very easy this past week here and hanging out with the fam and not much training at all. And uh, looking forward to chillaxing a little bit here.
0: Well, congrats on another good season. You did Thanks, awesome. Man. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, and actually on the Xterra front, not to toot my own horn here, but I'm going to go ahead and do it, um, I ended up uh, being 35 to 39 Northeast Regional Champ, so I did qualify for the Xterra World Championships, mm. uh, which was cool. Uh, I'm not going to be going, but uh, maybe uh, yeah. next year or the year after uh, we'll head over there and uh, was was happy about that given uh, it's my first year of racing Xterras, so...
0: And um, I, I've also ho- heard rumors that you might be racing an Ironman next year.
1: You, you, heard, uh, <laughs> you heard a rumor. You heard a rumor. I heard that, a very, uh, Yeah, a can, rumor. Can neither be confirmed nor denied uh, <laughs> That's til, uh, probably till I actually get to the race start. <laughs> <laughs> even if I sign up, we'll, we'll see what happens. Now we'll have to see how it's going with baby number four, but uh, kind of thinking that uh, that might be in the cards for next year. So we'll see but somebody else has got an Ironman coming up, uh, relatively soon.
0: Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Under three months. So trying to prepare for Ironman Arizona, I've been sick for a while, but I think I finally fought it off and feeling healthy again. So got a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah. So did you, did you listen to our own advice here? And, uh, lay low and uh not do you know get stressed out about training and and focus on recovering
0: yeah but it was such a long period of time I mean it was about a week where I just didn't do anything and just laying in bed and I mean I've been training for triathlon for so long now that if I don't go if I go without it for a week it's just I don't know what to do with my life I mean I close to insanity yeah Yeah. so I'm just happy I'm back at it and
1: Cool. Well, we're I'd rather go Fire through Man. Ironman
0: training than be sick, so.
1: <laughs> yep, I hope so. <laughs> uh, so, good. So that's what we got going on personally here, but now let's let's talk about some cadence. So, you know, I think traditionally when any, anybody thinks about cadence, and it's changed, I guess, a little bit over the last few years as more technology has been around, but, you know, cadence really, I would say, used to be just a bike metric Right, and everybody would, you know, talk about their their bike cadence a little bit, but you know, run cadence was something that was almost unheard of, and, and swim cadence really was never really talked about much. Um, so let's 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 start. We'll go swim, bike, run here in that order. Um, let's let's talk about swim cadence a little bit. So, um, you know, I think I'll start off by saying with every, anything here, you know, it's there's no doubt it's it's individualized, and what makes sense for you is definitely, you know, going to be different than what it is for me or whatnot, and, and you need to play around with it, but, um, you know, there's so much information out there about swimming, and this goes, I guess, a little bit off topic, but I do think it's relevant, where, you know, you've got so many different types of coaches telling us how to s- prepare for triathlon swims and, and s- racing, and, you know, it's just, yes, the, the some of the technique things are similar, but, there's just so much difference between open water swimming and, you know, triathlon swimming than there is from pool swimming. And I think that we, we've got too much information out there and, you know, it's even still written in triathlete magazine and, um, you know, very popular magazines and, and documented all over the place by, you know, these pool swimmers that, you know, don't necessarily take into effect the impact and, and um, what's going on and, and how it's different than, actual, you know, triathlon and open water swimming. Um, so with that being said, you know, there's there's lots of, you know, the, the total immersions out there and, and things that talk about, you know, gliding and getting the most extension and, and, you know, the distance per stroke and things like that. And, you know, I guess I just start off by saying that that is just not what I think is the right approach for open water swimming and triathlon swimming. Would you agree there?
0: I agree to you. To some extent, so I, I really feel like you have to learn how to swim first so like if you want to learn it through total immersion, learn how to glide, learn the feel for the water before you start doing these crazy other things like you just need to I mean I think people need to start very basic at first and just just learn how to swim
1: I actually yeah I, I completely agree with that okay. I actually think that there is an evolution with the swimmer. And there is actually things that I will teach with people as they're first learning how to swim that I will then change as they become better swimmers.
0: Yep. Because, I mean, uh, I, I started out learning. I, I took my first swim lessons, and it was through, it was total immersion-based. So, yeah. um, so it was gliding through the water, those long strokes. But it taught me so much about how to feel the water and where, I mean, I still have those concepts in my head when I swim now, but it's, like you said, I've definitely kind of played around with my stroke, and it's definitely changed from back when I did those lessons, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I mean, I think that's, it's very, uh, a very fair uh, statement there, and, and, you know, but you hit it with yourself right there, too, you know, you just got to be careful that, you know, muscle memory and, and how we learn is, is so important, and we get these things ingrained in us, and, uh, you know, we try and, you know, change those once we've, we've already got it ingrained us. It gets it gets harder and harder. So, um, you know, making sure that you have somebody staying on top of you and, and that you're thinking about it from an open-water perspective, I think, is, is really important. Yep. So um, do you use the Finney's Tempo Trainer at all?
0: I used to, and I think it really... It- definitely helped me i mean it kind of because when you're learning a new concept so like if you have a very slow cadence to begin with and you're trying to speed it up it's kind of hard to it's 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 all muscle memory and it's something very foreign at first when you when you try to increase your cadence so i think that really does help
1: Yes, and so for those people that aren't familiar with it, so Finney's, you know, swim company, uh, they have what they call their tempo trainer. It's just this little circular device thing that you uh, you drop down uh, underneath your swim cap right near your ear. It actually has three different modes, but uh, really only use mode three where you can. So it doesn't do like a traditional, um, you know, if you set it to 70, you know, that's the equivalent to 70 revolutions per per minute, like a traditional, you know, uh, like cadence sensor or something would do but it just does the the number of beats and so it is relative to that i guess but um basically it just sets it up and it beeps um you know that many times um and kind of allows you to get into a rhythm and you know try and um work on that i mean i guess arguably you could do it where you set it to you know only you having your right side right side you know right arm start pulling um each time it beeps but for most cases you you have it so it's every stroke so you know each time when your right arm starts pulling, you know, and your left arm, you know, you're, you're trying to to time it with that beep. Um, so, you know, usually what you'll find is that it can be relatively easy. You know, obviously you have to get within the right range to start with. And, you know, there's some tests and things you should do when you first get it to figure out what your natural cadence is. Um, but then, you know, you start to, to try and increase that. And certainly for me, when I start to get tired, my cadence drops for sure, and you know, trying to, to keep up with that becomes a challenge. And you know, it's different than than biking and even uh, running. It can come into play similarly as well. But you know, a lot of people have a tendency that if they want to keep their cadence up, they end up shortening their stroke in order to keep that up. Yeah. So you know, being able to maintain good form and proper form. And be able to to get all the way through your your stroke and and keep that cadence. That's and that goes really back to my the-
0: yeah. And that goes back to my point of learning how to swim first before you mess around with anything else. Absolutely. Because I see yeah. people yeah. They're like, all right, I just need a fast cadence. I'm gonna be get a lot faster if I do that. But they shorten their stroke up and their pull isn't as good. And it's just it's a train wreck. And then you just got to start all over again because it's they just don't know how to swim correctly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The other thing too, that I think comes into play with triathlon and open water swimming is that, you know, the same. Yeah. I think overall, certainly a a higher cadence is going to equate to, to more success in the open water, but um, also the conditions definitely play into that. You know, are you swimming in, you know, salt water? Are you swimming in in the ocean or are you swimming with the current or against the current and things? So, you know, typically what has been found is that uh, a higher cadence will work better, you know, when you're in choppy water or you're swimming up against the current and yep. things like that. But when you have the current with you, you know, a lower cadence may actually work out a little bit better because you can, you know, take advantage of that momentum that the water is generating for you and things. So, um, That's you a know, good it's point. not a necessarily, right, you know, a, a one cadence fits all scenarios kind of, um, you know, situation. Um, so messing around with that and thinking about that as well can be important. Like, for example, actually, I've I've raced the last three weekends here, and uh, the first weekend I raced, um, it was in the Merrimack River where we swam against the current on the way out, and then we we swam with the current on the way back. So I actually deliberately, you know, tried to keep that cadence up super high uh, for the first half, and then once we turned, you know, I I toned it back a little bit and uh, ended up having a pretty good swim there. So for um, so, people
0: just starting off with using cadence and everything, so do you, do you aim for a certain number, or, I mean, what would you consider a high cadence for swimming?
1: Yeah, it's definitely relative. I mean, you know, you can, if you watch, actually, if we shift a little bit to, like, the open water and the marathon swims and things like that, you know, those guys that are winning those, those guys are, are holding typically, like, a 90 cadence, mm-hmm. which is just, like, unheard of to be. I can't, even, I can't even fathom it. That's um, very fast. <laughs> you know, I think I was reading somewhere um, back from the last Olympics that the guy that won, there was points where he was up over 100. <laughs> and, like, literally I don't think my arms can swing that fast. Oh. You know, it's just, uh, it's really incredible. But it shows, right, I mean, just,
0: and know, you, I watch a lot of the ITU races too, and, I mean, they're, yeah. they're going anaerobic in the swim, but you look at their, their cadence and it's just, it's completely different than what you look like in the pool or the cadence I use in the pool.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so. exactly. That's a good point. And I think to that, you know, when you're thinking about your technique, and one thing you have to be really care- careful about as you're starting to, to increase your cadence is a lot of people will have a tendency to start pulling before their head has come back down and, you know, during their breath, so they're kind of extended out and reaching and looking to one side, and they've already started their pull, and that can generate a lot of stress on the shoulders. And so you really got to be careful and, and make sure that one, you know, I would, I would recommend ramping up kind of progressively, right, you know, don't just, you know, go from 60 to 75, right, you know, you got to go up uh, slowly. I, th- I think that's relevant for all three disciplines, but especially with swimming, um, you know, people will have issues where they will uh, end up with shoulder pains and things um, or different tweaks from, from trying to get their cadence going up too high um so being being conscious of that is is really important as well um but uh you know just being able to to focus on you know keeping your stroke similar in in technique wise you know you may make some a little bit of tweaks and you may actually just see how things occur when you just try picking up your cadence and what it does to your stroke and how that you know does even for pool times and things like that you know will translate most likely to the open water again depending on those conditions so there's, uh, you know, I think a lot that goes into it, but it's it's something where a tempo trainer and and being aware of it and working on that I think is is really important. And uh, it's something I've I've been focusing on the last couple of years, and I kind of go from it to it. And uh, you know, I, I feel like when I get my cadence strong and things, it definitely uh, I end up being a faster swimmer overall. So um, a lot of importance there.
0: Yeah, and those tempo trainers are good because. I mean, unlike when you're on when you're biking or or running, like you have metrics to look at, and I feel I when you're when you're swimming in open water, you really just you're kind of swimming blind. I mean, you don't look at your watch and look at your pace or Absolutely. anything like that. So, I think I
1: hope you don't, anyways. <laughs> Cause it's gonna slow you down, right? Sometimes, like <laughs> so,
0: when yeah. I'm halfway through, I'm like, ah, eh, I'll look and see. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah. You know what I mean, though. I mean, you you just uh, you don't sorry. have any metrics to look at constantly, and I think the tempo trainer really helps with that.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah. Um. So that's really I don't know. That's what I had on the on the swim cadence there. You got anything you wanted to add there, like?
0: No, I think you hit it all. I mean, I I totally agree with you.
1: Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, Cool. So um, switching on to the bike, you know, which again is more something that's traditionally where uh, people, you know, think about cadence and things. And you can read, you know, articles that'll tell you that, uh, um, you know, a high cadence is, is a must and you have to get that high cadence up um, or that cadence up. Or, you know, there's there's actually been some interesting articles out of the Brett Sutton camp in the last year or so that talk about, how a lower cadence is actually better, especially when it comes to long course triathlon and things. Which, uh, what?
0: Was, well, you're gonna have to explain. Will you explain that to me, please?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, um, so you know, it, it really does come down to I think you know where your efficiencies lies, and yeah. you know, typically, you know, when people have a higher cadence, they actually end up being a little bit more efficient um, because it forces them to be in the right range of motion um, with their feet and things to, to, to be more efficient. Um, whereas when you, when you start lowering that cadence, you can get away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what's interesting too, and I think I mentioned it there at the beginning. Um, so I've, I've typically been more of what I call kind of a masher and uh, a lower cadence kind of guy. And I think it's primarily been, or my excuse anyways, has been my hip and, uh, my torn labor in my left hip has is, is definitely affected me and, and the way I train and things. And, um, this, uh, these past few weeks, I've been riding at a lot higher cadence, and so my average cadence actually in Maine was 94, which is like, I'm not even sure, I think I've averaged like 90 maybe before in a half Ironman, but normally it's been more in the like 83 to 86 range. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it was something that I didn't actually make overly a, a super conscious effort to do, it was something that just kind of felt right. And, uh, I, has been good for me. I don't know if it was cause, you know, I did race two Olympics the week before and, you know, when you're trying to go faster, a lot of times that cadence goes up a bit. And I do typically with my clients, you know, recommend higher cadences at for shorter races and, um, you know, it's okay to, to drop it back a bit for the longer stuff. Um, so I don't know if it just kind of carried over or what, but, um, I felt really good on the bike and, uh, yeah, you know, certainly started had some fatigue points and things like that, but uh, I, I came off the bike super strong and uh, not kind of fighting it, and uh, I think that uh, the higher cadence may have had something to do with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, and did, I forgot to ask, but did you did you PR that that uh, seventy point three run?
1: Um, just mean for that particular race or overall?
0: Um, like, is that your best seventy point three run? Ever. Yeah.
1: No, no, mm-hmm. I've run, I've run one twenty. Like thirty-two or something like that. But I, I mean, think. you you felt uh, good
0: off of the bike, so I mean, that's kind oh, of sure. point I'm getting at is like yeah, no, exactly. It's all yeah. about how you feel off the bike, and I mean, if you if your legs feel fresh at that cadence, then it's working for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, again, it's something where you know, there's what we call force work, where you know, a lower cadence and things like that during training can definitely be helpful in generating more power and and working on that strength. Um, but, um, you know, as you go and and you'll see, I mean, I, I in particular when I have newer clients that are new to cycling, I mean, I'll see average cadence is like 70, you know, 75 and things like that. And that's that's just too low. I, I really like to say that, you know, 80 is really the, the minimum threshold, you know, where I want any client to be during, you know, any given workout or, or race, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think when you get below that, you're really starting to lose out on efficiency and um, you know, you're gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna optimize your, your cycling or, you know, your race and things when you're when you're that low. Yeah. At the same time, you know, um, going up over hundred I think is is really where you start to overdo it there and again that's kinda of the, the I, I really actually normally have kinda of said ninety five is the, the line in the sand where you don't wanna, you know, yeah, and you know your cadence should certainly dictate you know when you're shifting and things like that, right? So you use that as to help you ch- uh, decide when you need to change gears. Um, so when you're going up and you're getting up in that 95 range, that's when you know it's probably a good idea to shift to that next harder gear. Yep. Um, and vice versa, you know, just a quick tangent here on shifting, right? You know, that that should be dictated again by your cadence. So if you start to drop down, let's say below 90, that probably means that you need to get into an easier gear. Um, so where was I going with that? So I mean, you know, if we're if we're have that, that lower cadence, you know, it's again it's gonna cause us to, to be a little less efficient. And, you know, definitely doing some single leg drills and things I think is, is really good. I, I really focus on those, especially in the out season, um, where you're you know, practicing to figure out where in your stroke you need to improve on and things. But if you have, you know, weaknesses and things there they're they're really gonna get exposed when you have a lower cadence. Yeah. So uh, I mean, and,
0: and Colin's not saying like, I mean there there's always a time and place when you do the over gear work and you're going below seventy RPMs, but yep. we're we're primarily talking about racing and
1: especially I mean, long course. Yeah, so.
0: I mean I've yeah, exactly. I I mean I, I remember when I first started riding and I mean I had no idea what I was really doing and I was going out for rides and my cadence was. Like you said, seventy or below. I mean, I didn't know yeah. any better, but I just right. remember the way my legs felt after those rides, and it's it's they didn't feel that great. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, no, that's a a very good point. Um, you know, the other thing too you can you can do if you're somebody that, that has a tendency to have a lower cadence um, is you know even if you if you ride at a lower cadence as you're approaching T two. Um, you know, trying to get that cadence up, I think is really important and will help lead you into the run. Um, you know, one, I guess one other real quick thing before we kind of transition over to that, um, is, you know, with the, with the cycling, you know, you look back, uh, I don't know if we should use Lance Armstrong as a reference with his, uh, <laughs> all the other issues with him, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess, uh, early in his career, he was definitely known more as a masher. And I guess you could argue maybe it was more the steroids that helped him, but, uh, he started working with a different cycling coach that uh, really forced him to uh, to work on his cadence and get it up, you know, in, in his case, up over the hundreds, I believe. Um, and it made, you know, a huge difference. So um, again, it really comes down to everybody's different and we're not going to sit here and preach and tell you you need to be at this certain range. I mean, I think that 90 is a good starting point and, and that's always where I recommend people start it out is, is shooting for that and then you know, deciding what, what makes sense from you and adjusting from there can certainly be, you know, something you work with your coach or whatnot to, to modify. And, um, but that's, that's really a good kind of starting point with, uh, both, um, cycling and, and running there. But, um, you know, again, so, um, when you're, when you're coming in off the bike, if you can increase that cadence, it's going to have you kind of get that muscle memory going and hopefully help your legs, continue to have that high turnover as you head out onto the run um, so you know vice versa if your legs are heavy and you're going with a low cadence as you get off the bike you know you may have a little bit more of a harder time picking up that cadence as you get out there on the run mm-hmm. so um, so as we switch over to the run you know this is one thing where I'm just a huge proponent of at least measuring but trying to in most cases get that run cadence up. Um, where people have a tendency to have a a lower cadence when they're running, I think that it does just tremendous things for you to, in most cases to increase or try and get a higher cadence going, um, during the run. So like for me, when I'm, when I'm training and I'm racing, um, you know, that's the number one metric that I'm looking at, you know, so I'm looking down at my watch. I am looking to make sure. In my case, I'm I'm hoping to be you know. In, th- in these days, Garmin's kind of switched over. Back in the old day, when they in the back in the day when they had their older foot pod thing, um, it would measure it in just uh, steps uh, per foot per minute. So you're shooting for around 90, um, and then now they switched over. So it's uh, total steps, so both both feet. So it's it's really you know looking for about 180 is is what I'm shooting for. Um, so I'm a bigger guy, so you could argue that. Uh, you know my cadence could be a little bit lower um you know or that turnover may not be as high as uh for example you know one of my other strong runners that i work with um guy steve you know he usually runs in the um you know 188 190 range um and i think that efficiency wise we may be similar um even though his cadence is a bit higher but um if you look at the numbers and you see your efficiency and things like that and if you especially if you look at an ironman run and you see where people start to slow down, you, you will all, almost always see a decrease in their cadence. And yeah. you know, really, when you when you think about your efficiency and things, um, the further you reach out, right? Especially if your you know your front, front foot is landing out. And we talk about the different types of strikers there are, right? So we have the heel strikers, midfoot, and forefront runners um, strikers. Um, you know, those those heel strikers are reaching out further. And they're kind of having that impact point back on their heel, then they have an impact point uh, on the midfoot, and then you know they, they carry on with their with their foot stroke there. Um, but uh, if you're if you're able to get that cadence up, it naturally will force you to be more of a midfoot striker and and allow you to land with that foot underneath your body, which will help absorb the impact a little bit more. So your knees will thank you for it. Um, but you're also not really pumping the brakes each time as your foot hits in the back and kind of slows you down as you follow through forward to then, you know, get the, um, the power and things that you wanted to generate your next uh, your next foot strike with. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that I think that your cadence can do for you on the run to help you become more efficient in things. So I went on a tangent there. Why don't you... Uh, you want to add
0: anything in here? Oh, yeah, and I completely agree with that. I mean, <clears throat> you started being a big proponent of this a couple of years ago, and so I started to really work on it, and it's totally changed the way I've run. And I mean, I think running's always kind of been my strength, but it's really, especially in Ironman, focusing on that. I mean, so my magic number is one hundred eighty-two. So I try to keep my, my cadence around 180, and late in the race, it i'm telling you that it always pays off i mean you see people's cadence slow down so much and even when you're tired you just focus on the cadence and your pace will will come along with you and it's it's really helped me especially for for long course racing even even marathon like open marathon racing i think that really helps
1: yeah it's it's a great point um but you know, you also too, if you you know, if you're a Garmin user too, and you look at your your efficiency and things like that, um, you know, you'll you'll often see your efficiency drop as you know, obviously, as your cadence does as well. So, um, you know, a lot of people when they're first working on their their run cadence, um, they feel like they're taking baby steps and you know that they're not getting much out of each stride. Um, but ultimately, that's that really actually should be kind of what it feels like because. You want it to be something where um, you know you're just you're getting enough of that, but your uh, power and propulsion to get you through to that uh, that next stride to be able to keep the pace you want, but you don't want to be you know landing and being on that foot for too long, um, because: it's, yeah, and you I know, think at the,
0: yeah energy. at the end of the day, it all comes down to efficiency, and right. You don't want to be wasting any unnecessary energy. Heel striking, overstriding, doing any of that stuff, landing, having your foot on the ground for too long. I mean, those are some great points you brought up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and that's interesting. So, Elliot is a smaller guy, um, 192. Um, even, you know, when you talk about, I think that uh, I've heard that like Javi Gomez and uh, um, some of the, the top runners, this was data from a couple years ago, but they were running. In most cases, closer to, to 200 for their yeah. cadence when they're out there, um, which makes sense to me. You know, the other thing I'll bring up too, which which really, when you it's kind of comes down to just running form here. But um, you know, as you're as you're starting out, um, and you, you, again, you're gonna feel like that that cadence is is really you're taking baby steps and it's, it's uh, too quick of turnover. But um, what will happen ideally, and if you watch really good runners, they'll actually even they're warming up and they're going at slower paces they'll Still maintain have the a similar cadence yep. exactly so what the difference is there is when they're warming up and they're going at slower p- paces excuse me they're taking really small strides and so you know if you look at their their foot from once it lands to how far it reaches back and you know that stroke if you will um you know it's their stride i guess i should say you know there's very minimal stride in the back uh, back end of it there but as they start to pick up that speed and they need more propulsion to generate that speed that's when their leg swing gets a little bit even longer and they have like kind of a further kick out in the back. And so, you know, as you start to run faster and you're running harder, that's what should be changing is is how much leg extension you have to generate the propulsion you need to get to that pace or whatnot. That makes sense? Yep. So, you know, as you're you're working on it, I think that's definitely something that can help you for sure. And, you know, it's it's actually, I, I really love to have clients focus on that the most when they're doing their easy and recovery runs. But you got to be really careful with it because what, another thing that, that has it, uh, naturally seems to happen when people are working on this is they pick up their cadence, but they don't shorten their stride at all. So, ultimately all they end up doing is they end up running faster, <laughs> really right? Fast. And they end up working harder <laughs> because... They, they haven't changed anything, um, and, you know, and they're just uh, running faster and harder. So, um, you know, you gotta be, you got to be careful with that. But if you try and do it when you're doing recovery runs and you're keeping that pace down but still getting that cadence up, that's going to really force you to, to shorten those strides and get those feet underneath you really well. And, uh, you know, if you can do it during your recovery runs, then, you know, you should really be able to do it um, when you're running at a more natural pace and especially when you start to push the pace and things.
0: Yep. So I'll give you one of my secrets. So when, I I know when you're transitioning, if you have a a slow cadence and you're trying to work on increasing your turnover, I mean, what are some ways to do that? So my big thing I love is Spotify running. You can program exactly what cadence you want to be running at. So I put 180. So I mean, I do this when I'm doing my recovery runs on a treadmill or something. So I can just kind of zone out, but still kind of keep an eye on my cadence. Put it at 180, it'll play like all songs that are hundred, exactly 180 beats per minute. And it's... That's a great point, it's great It's a perfect way to get your cadence down without really thinking about it too hard. I mean, you just run with the beat.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great idea. I mean, so obviously, yeah, you know, if you have certain songs that... Uh, you know, or have a higher cadence or a cadence you're looking for. Obviously, that'll work. But that is a cool feature that I'm kind of surprised that Spotify has held on to, which is awesome yeah. um, that, uh, you know, that still is out there. I I mean, um,
0: it's one of the reasons why I still even have a Spotify account is I I use that every time I run on... Because, I mean, a lot of people... Another thing is, like, treadmills are boring, and you just you need to be distracted. And that's a perfect way yeah. to to focus on your... Your technique, and it keeps you engaged the entire time, or at least it keeps me engaged the entire time.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point. Actually, I wanted to ask you. So, do you notice that your naturally your cadence seems to be a little bit lower when you're on the treadmill than when you're out on the road, or is it does like the same? Like it's yeah. it feels
0: like it it's more forced. So like, yep. uh, for example, yeah. So like when I'm running on a treadmill, it's I really have to pay attention into it, either looking at my watch or running along with music to keep it yeah. at 180 but i mean i went out for a run this morning and it was right at 180 wasn't listening to music and it was fine so
1: yeah good good yeah i find that i i give myself and clients a little give give there uh, if they're doing it on the treadmill um because it is it is pretty common it's a little bit lower so um uh, but it's also the perfect environment to, pre- to practice on it because you don't have to worry about any elevation change or anything like that so mm-hmm um and you know that controlled environment there so it's a it's a good place to to work at it so um yeah you got anything else to add um
0: no but uh, i mean cadence and running i mean that's i can't stress that more than enough and i know you're such a big believer in it too i mean it's absolutely something that people overlook and i just tell i it's totally changed the way I run, and I'm, I feel yeah. like I've gotten a lot stronger because of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's it's a great point, and uh, something that I definitely challenge all the listeners to, uh, to think about and, and try and work on if, uh, if you may have a lower cadence there. Um, you know, more so than, than the bike in the run. I think that, you know, where it's most impactful would be um, out on the run. Yeah. So, um, cool. Well, I guess maybe this will be a shorter one here, huh? Yeah. Um, good deal. Well, we got uh, seasons wrapping up here, but uh, hopefully that will mean that Ellie and I have a little bit more time. I guess. Hey, actually, my no, season's not in, wrapping up. The, I was going to say, you're going into the grunt of your training, <laughs> yeah. aren't you? So, the, the weather's uh, finally
0: cooling off in Arizona, so it's time to train hard. <laughs> uh,
1: good, good. All right. Well going to try uh we, we rescheduled this uh recording what two or three times trying yep. to make this happen and, uh during the winter here. i'm definitely going to make it uh a, a priority to try and get these going more often here so hopefully everybody enjoyed uh and uh, appreciated that information here and um we'll get another one going soon here but in the meantime happy training to elliot um i'm going to try and be out on the cycle cross course a little bit but uh focused on the family definitely primary and uh and getting ready for uh our baby girl to come in december but uh hopefully we'll have uh at least one or two uh more episodes before then. so anything else to add elliot
0: nope i think i'm good i'm gonna go swim now
1: ah all right cool um all right well thank you very much everybody um have a good one and we'll, we'll talk to you soon here
0: all right thanks guys